You are listening to the Fly the W670 podcast, episode seven of season three, The Philosophy of Craig Council, part two. Don't forget to listen, download, review, and most importantly, subscribe to the podcast. Follow us on the socials. Fly the W670 on Twitter, Instagram. Of course, we're on Facebook, and you can email us, fly the W670 at gmail.com. Crowley, happy Thursday. Yeah, it's uh, we're getting close to the weekend. Should be some fun, and 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 as we get closer to spring training, hopefully more movement keeps happening. We did have some moves happen over. We had some moves. We need some. Uh, we need some Cubs moves, Crowley. We need we need some Cubs moves. I feel like the uh, uh, some of the teams are starting to uh, mess with our Cubs, but we'll get that into that in a little bit later. Last episode, we went through a little bit of. Uh, Craig Council audio from Cubs Con, and we've got a little bit more to go through, right? Yeah, we talked last time about, you know, Council getting acclimated to the Cubs, how he plans to work on young players, those type of things. But I thought, you know, with what we have this week, it really is kind of going into the nuts and bolts of of day-to-day managing, which kind of excites me, you know, because I do feel, I know he, he really doesn't like, you know, being called a tactician and, you know, he put the big emphasis on clubhouse culture but I really kind of loved hearing what he had to say and it got me even more excited. Now, one of the good things, Dustin, about having Craig Council as manager of the Cubs is he is absolutely familiar with the rest of the NL Central teams, right? He knows the players, he knows the ma- you know, managers, especially in Milwaukee, right? And so I think that's going to be an advantage. He doesn't have to learn like, you know, a new league, a new team, a new, you know, I mean, obviously his own team, but he knows all the other teams in the division. So I think it's going to be easy for him to make the transition. But he, you know, he talked a little bit about the NL Central. And, you know, last year was up for grabs. And, you know, you think that this year, unless somebody does something really big, that it'll uh it'll be the same this year. I saw Jed made a comment last night that the offseason's in the fourth or fifth inning. I thought that was that was interesting. And um I was like, ah, that's good news, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but he's right. I mean, he's right. Like, and I was, it's, it's, uh, there's not a game until, um, you know, April 1st, right. That, that counts on the record. Um, so, so there is a lot of time in this thing. Um, you know, it's, the divisions are always like, there's, to me, there's like, like you can clearly see there's four teams that are like really in it. And then Pittsburgh's got so many young players that when you, and this is kind of what we were just talking about when you have a lot of young players, like, even Cincinnati got incredible contributions from their young players last year that, that made them an exciting team. Pittsburgh could get those contributions and then be a really exciting team. So that's where a lot of the teams are. Um, St. Louis has really kind of like rebuilt their team, um, added a ton of pitching, which gonna, is going to make them formidable. Um, they have, you know, some stalwarts in the middle of their lineup that always make that, that are scary people to face and you, you plan around and don't look forward to facing. Um, so r- right now, how I see the division is really wide open. I, I don't know. I don't know if you could like, I think there's going to be a lot of, by the time we get to the end of the off season, I really think there's a, there, there's going to be a, like a lot of teams can win this division and that's good. That's yeah. fun. And that's a challenge for us. And that's how we should see it. So I got a question for you, Dustin. As of today, February or January 25th, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's not, here. let's not get to February. It's <laughs> We're January like, 25th. Wait a, minute, wait a minute. What did I miss? What did I, what did I miss? Crowley's calendar is a little ahead of mine. Who do you have? 
how would you see the division, the NL Central playing out? Who's first, who's second, who's third? Speaking today. Ooh. I think it's real tight. I, I, I mean, I think you could literally, I know this is not the answer you're looking for and the listeners aren't looking for. I, while I'm disappointed where the Cubs are right now, I think you could take the four teams, put it in a cup, you're familiar with the game Ship Captain Crew? Yes. Okay. You could take a die, a Cub die, a Cardinal die, a Brewer die, and a Pittsburgh die, and you could enroll them out. And it, I think any day, all I think they're all equal right now. They're 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 all just okay. You know, Pirates did some stuff that we're going to talk about. That you know they are they are they have spent some money. I think all the teams in the division are just okay right now. I don't think there is a a clear cut top of the heap. I mean, if Craig Council is as important as the Cubs are hoping he is, the Brewers should not be on top of this division, despite some of the signings that have happened since we last were podcasting together. I don't really like what the Cardinals have done. I don't like the pitchers that they have bought. I, I like and respect a couple of the moves that the Pirates made, but they're still the Pirates until they're not the Pirates. And the Reds, we won't forget about the Reds, like they were getting better, but did they take a couple steps back? Because they really haven't done a whole heck of a lot. So I think it's just a bunch of eh right now in the division. You? I'm going to go Reds 1, Cubs 2, Brewers 3, Cardinals 4, Pirates 5 as of today. Well, now, why Reds 1? I really, they, they have been a team that has had some of the top prospects, top farm system, and a lot of those guys graduated. Uh, I think they got a lot of experience. I just feel like um, they're the best team. They're the team to beat for me right now. Okay. Uh, I, I would say that the Cubs, if, you know, they're not. Like I said, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. Like, just like, no way, Crowley, you are wrong. I just, I see a lot of the, I, I see this right now. I think these teams are just super, super, uh, super tight. I mean, they're just super, they're just right on top of each other. I, I don't, I don't see, I don't see clear separation. I mean, maybe Reds and Pirates, I, I you know, like, but even then, what would you, three games, four yeah, games? Yeah, I, like, I think it's, it's not like, close. it's yeah. not five or six. It's not a, it's not a two, it's not a two game lead or anything like that. No, there's no clear cut favorites right now. No. It, and it can still, and it could change in a heartbeat with one, you know, Hey, Cody Bellinger, what's going on? You know, you're like one move away from really kind of changing things up here. But right now, as of today, that's what I see. But it is going to be a close to division. I think that nobody's running away with this thing. It's it's going to be tight. Yeah, I don't. I agree. No, nobody's nobody, nobody is running away with this thing. And and now, even if the even if the the moves that we really 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 want the Cubs to make, I still don't think they're a runaway winner if they make those moves that we want them to make. No, there's still steps, a few steps away from that. And so, obviously, like you mentioned, the manager, Craig, what difference is he going to make? He was asked about the contract and managing in a big market and how that would affect him. Council signed a five-year, $40 million contract, making him the highest-paid manager in baseball. Not only that, he's going from the small market brewers to the big market Cubs. Right. How's, how's he going to adjust to that pressure? And, you know, it's it's – that's something that, you know, we have yet to see. So here's what he had to say. Yeah, I, I, I really don't because um, I experience it like 
I, I think I probably worried about that when I first started managing. It's like, do, do I have to do something different? Do I have to act differently as the manager? Um, am, am I supposed to do be a certain way? Yeah. Am I supposed to get mad here and yell at the umpire? Um, you know, am I supposed to have big team meetings where I go rah, rah? You know, like, what am I supposed to do, right? Um, and, and I've learned, and I, you have to just do it your way. It has to be comfortable to you. You have to make yourself uncomfortable with some of the things you do because um, that's good for your team and it's good for yourself, but you can't change. And so, like, the kind of underdog thing, like, I'd love to get rid of that, but it will never get be out of me. It's just, it's just who that I, like. Yeah, it's who you ID with. Yeah, it's who I ID with. So I can't help it. Right. Um, and, and like in my own way, that'll become part of this team. Right. Cause it's, it's just who, it's just how I have always processed it. And it's how my life in like professional baseball yeah. has been for the last 30, 35 years. Um, so that, that's just how it is. And then you just got to do it your way. I, I know all the, you know, I'm, I'm quite aware of what has happened, um, and, and this position that I'm in. Um, grateful for it, but but almost like makes me feel like oh nobody thinks I can do it now, like that's how that's what I, that's how I process it. Now you don't think I can do this? Yeah. Like you don't think I can do it? Watch. <laughs> I get you. <laughs> that Dustin is the competitive spirit, and, and and a guy like Craig Council, he wasn't the best player on any team he ever was on. You know what I mean? He had to fight and struggle and probably had doubters every step of the way. And yet here he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 now that he's on the right side of the rivalry, if you will, I like, I like the tough talk. I, I like the confident talk as uh, Jack Polonaise used to say, confidence is sexy. Don't you think Oh okay. yeah. he is a super <laughs> confident guy, but the only thing Crowley is you led into that cut. You, you led into the fact that um, here's Craig council going from the, Small market or mid-market brewers to the big market Cubs. Okay, the only big market thing the Cubs have done so far is Craig Council this offseason. Now, again, there's there's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. I, I know they signed a, a pitcher from Japan, but it wasn't that pitcher from Japan. And they got off pretty lightly on that pitcher from Japan because he clearly wanted to be here and, and didn't want to be anywhere else. Yep. And, and so, you know, I, I think though that I'm hoping Craig Council's personality rubs off on the team in a positive way. I think David Ross's personality uh, rubbed off on the team in a positive way, to be honest with you. I think that, you know, he's kind of a grinder and a guy that, you know, demands accountability. And I think that, th- that that's the way the Cubs played last year. I think it's just going to be one step further this year. I do think that council will make a difference. And there are wins that the Cubs left on the table that I think that council would get that Ross will not did not. Now at this point in the convention, Boog turns it over for audience questions. And this is the first question that Craig council will get from a Cub fan. Start with some questions and uh, we will start. Oh, to the left. Hey, there, there he is. Crawley's going to start it off. Go ahead. Hi, Craig. Uh, welcome to the Cubs. I just have uh, questions about your coaching philosophy in regard to three issues. Number one, playing young guys and prospects. Number two, giving time, uh, players rest during the season. And number three, bunting. I love this. 
Well, so, you know, playing young guys in the season, it's really like the, the best players play, right? That, that's who plays. The players that are going to help us win games, um, that's who gets to play. That's, we're trying to win games, um, that's who plays. Um, that's, I think that's how it should be, right? And, th and that's, that's how, you know, young players, at, at some points, you just, what we have to do is that baseball has so many numbers, right? And there's a stat line, so the young player just doesn't have as many of the, those stat lines. And you have to take a leap that this translates to this is a good young player. Um, and it's important that we, every team, um, you know, have young players that are, that are good players. So you want them to play, but you got to earn it. That, that's, that's simple. Um, second question was... I'm all, I'm, I've got bunting on my head already. Well, so just do bunting. <laughs> bunting. Um, look, so you can, the, like, my record will show I do not like to bunt. That'll very clearly show that. Um, however, like, it's, it's, bunting is like, what is the situation? Do I have a player who's good at it? Does the situation call for it? Um, and then if it does and it makes sense, we do it. Um, in general, like, bunting is, the, the one thing that I always like to explain to fans is that bunting is much harder than people think, and it is not a guaranteed successful play as much as we'd like it to be. I think we love the word sacrifice. It's, it's a great word, like, I'm sacrificing for the team, it, and it's, it's true, you are sacrificing for the team, and we all want to sacrifice for the team. However, if the sacrifice isn't successful, it's not good for the team, <laughs> right? And, and I think that's important. And so bunts, like the, the, if I'm being analytical, like the success rate on a sacrifice bunt is like around 50%, 50 to 60%. So I've got to take that into consideration. As much as I want to practice, we could practice it all day, the success rate is still 50, 60%. And I have to kind of put that through my mental computer when I say, does it make sense if we do this? And if we fail at it, does this give us a chance this inning? So that's the nerdy way of explaining yeah. it. Um, but there are players. I'm going to give you an example of a player. Like, you know, like Pete Crow Armstrong, the bunt should be part of his game. He is a, a very fast runner. Um, he's left-handed. Um, he can, it can be a real weapon for him. Um, to, to be an effective bunter. So, like, there's players that absolutely the bunt makes sense, um, but using your, the right players to do it, I think, is really important. So, going into that, right, going into that question, I knew in my head that I wanted to, you know, those were the three things that bothered me most last year. Number one, mm -hmm. the young players. Number two, the lack of rest, especially down the stretch. And number three, the bunting, Dustin, you know, how how it was like nails on the chalkboard last year. Wrong time, wrong players, bunting for the wrong reasons. Um, when you talk about young players, you remember Nelson Velasquez hits a grand slam in April, and then they don't play him for the next like three weeks. Yep. And then same thing happens in September. You got uh, you got Talkman running out of gas, and Alexander Canario hits a grand slam, had six RBIs in a game, and they don't play him again for like a next week or two. I, what he kind of mentioned was the fact is that sometimes baseball becomes so analytical. What am I going to do here? What am I going to do there? 
And when you have those young players, like Craig mentioned, there is no stat line. You don't have numbers. So maybe you shy away from them because you don't know the success rate Alexander Canario is going to have against said pitcher. But like Craig said, sometimes you got to believe that that's a good player and give him a shot. If a guy drives in six runs on Wednesday, I want him in the lineup on Thursday. That's about as simple as I can put it. Yeah. I mean, play, play the hot hand. He said, he said, we're going to put the guys in that give us the Cubs the best opportunity to win the ball game. And that's all you can ask for. Now, the other thing is with the bunting is that, you know, he, he just said, I'm not a big bunter. And there was just so many times last year where David Ross would just bunt for the dumbest reason. And I know kind of with some old school baseball fans, everybody should know how to bunt. That's not realistic. I'm, I'm sorry. First of all, half of these, most of the guys, almost all the guys in the major leagues, they were the best player possibly in the team, the region, the state. You think a coach ever tells uh, Patrick Wisdom back in the day, hey, bunt here. No, every high school no, coach. But I think here, here's the one, one, one little pushback I'd give. And I, it, it, you're saying, you're, you're talking facts, Crowley, okay? But when they did go to the shit, when the shift was the shift, and the shift was obnoxious, and I'm glad the shift has basically been outlawed except for the tinkering of it, right? Those that try to, you know, push the rules as much as possible. At that point, when the shift was in existence, they should have practiced bunting a whole lot more. Because there were so many opportunities for guys who had that shift on them to just get on base with an easy bunt. And they weren't taking advantage of that. And I think that was dumb. I guess my pushback would be, again, those guys never learned how to bunt. And then you're going to ask them to do it at the spring highest. Training, spring training, off season. There's, 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 there's time to do that. They got time. But here's what I'm going to tell you, Dustin, on that. There's no way you can train for when you're in a bad airs box against a top-notch major league pitcher, pitcher throwing these pitchers now are throwing harder and with more spin than ever before. It's yeah. not, it's not as simple as I just saying, you. You, you know, practice a bunt. Like you can put on a batting machine, and just kind of lay down bunts. That's great. That's not the same as being in the not box. The I agree. Some guy yeah. throwing 98 miles per hour at your hands. <laughs> it's, it's not the same. You're right. I mean, listen, we can, yeah. It's a it's a small little thing, and now it doesn't matter because the shift is outlawed. So now I'm I'm with you 100. percent So no no more bunt. And we heard Jed. I mean Jed, end of the season interview, right? I think it was with Mully and Haw, mm-hmm. kind of without saying he was disappointed in um, David Ross about the bunting. Said he was disappointed in David Ross with the bunting. Right. I, I remember there's a game, I think it was Patrick Wisdom was up to bat and it was like the seventh inning or something like that. You can't give away outs like that, especially with a guy that doesn't know how to bunt really well. It's not well, his And that's the other set. part. What did you just say? You he can't doesn't bunt really give, well. No, no. Outs you, out? can't, you can't give up the outs. Can't give right. up the outs like that. that. That's, I think that's important. The one thing though that he mentioned that that kind of raised some eyebrows is having P. Crow Armstrong be out of that game. And then again, you're thinking, what do you got with PCA? You got a left-hander, so you're going to be right going down that line, right? And 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 he is fast as lightning. And so you know, I know PCA is a guy that you know likes to hit for power and stuff like that, but he also strikes out a lot. The bunt could be a very big part of his game and could make him his defense. If you listened to Jeffrey when he was from baseball perspective, his defense alone is going to make him worth being on a major league roster. But if he can start bunting and stealing bases and, and 
you don't need him to hit 30 home runs. I mean, that's not his game. And so I hope that's something that they kind of work on. It'll be exciting. So um, it was fun to hear that question. Now, Dustin, the next question, the next thing that he talked about is lineup construction, which was another point of contention mm-hmm. for Cub fans with David. Mm-hmm. Here's how he replied to that. Yeah. So, I mean, like probably general philosophy is just let the best hitters hit the most. That that would be the, the, the general philosophy. Um, and then I think, and then I, and I think, you know, you have to sprinkle in like, as we get later in the game, teams use bullpens and, and matchups become like trying not to make it too easy for another team's manager to put a reliever in the bullpen that kind of can run through with matchups. So that means spacing some left-handers and right-handers out. Um, but that would be that would be like the simple way I look at it. Um, and there, there's I think we in general probably get pretty caught up in lineups. Uh, it's probably more important, like, who plays than, like, what the actual lineup is. Um, but, but you know, lineups are fun, and they're, they're a fun thing to talk about. They're a fun thing to look at, and I probably spend too much time looking at them. Um, I probably spend too much time worrying about them, to be honest with you. Have you written a lineup down or, like, messed around with it? I, I I was gonna, but then Jed Hoyer said it was the fourth inning, so I didn't have to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Love it. It's good enough. <laughs> um, hey, no, but I, I, you know, of course, yeah, you, you think about it for sure. Uh, I asked all the coaches to do it. Um, did you really? I did. Yeah. And, and to give it to you? Yeah. Yeah. And I and I did that just as an exercise to um, kind of just kind of see what they were thinking yep. um and it was it was interesting and i and i wanted to get some i wanted to like learn something like what what do you know people within the organization think about players that maybe i haven't thought about wasn't that fascinating love it absolutely absolutely love it i love the idea of asking of asking his coaching staff to write out a uh, a lineup i i think that's an excellent way of doing things Right. Like, what do you think of these players? If you were in charge, how would you do it? And it's not saying I'm going to take your ideas, but hey, maybe there's something that I'm missing that you see. Like, again, if you're talking about, uh, you know, Dustin Kelly, the hitting coach, or you're talking about some, you know, John Maley, who knows a lot of these guys anyway, it's an interesting thing. Now, he did not ask Tommy Hadovy. He did say that. He did ask Tommy Hadovy about the pitching rotation, but I thought it was brilliant. And how many times, Dustin, did we ask, please, for the love of God, put Cody Bellinger batting third? Like to the point where I was turning blue in the face. I, I just could not stand to see that. Not, but if, not you ever, if you were able to ask that question of Cody Bellinger, like, you know, is that something that you shied away from? Is that something that you and David Ross ever even talked about? Right. My, my guess would the answer to be, that would, to, would be no. And I, I just what, think which that- part? I don't think that they ever talked about it. I don't think, I don't think they ever talked about it. I think that Cody Bellinger is an MVP, a rookie of the year. I don't think he has any problem batting third. Here's the thing. Have your best guys getting the most at bats. I like having your best hitter batting third so that he has as many at bats as he can, especially with a couple guys on base. That ideally to me is the way that you do it. And it just felt to me like he, like I thought that David Ross was being stubborn with Ian Happ. That's my opinion. All right. I, I, I'm down with that. I, I like that take. I like that take. So we've got uh, we've got one more on Craig, right? Um, well, we got the pitchers' innings. He he kind of talked about pitching, and it, it was interesting because 
this is just a whole new world than when we grew up even, right. you know, and, and what you expect out of pitchers. And uh, there was a funny fan named Marsha who was upset about pulling when you pull a pitcher and all that stuff. And, and it's interesting to kind of listen to him say what he had to say. So wants the starter, I think like you want them to pitch well, as long as they can. It, it's, it's helpful for the next game. Uh, it's helpful for the relievers to get them rest. Lots of decisions really are made on like one. And one of the things, the hard parts, even for me is like, we're making a lot of decisions like based on player trying to keep players healthy and productive for a full season. Um, and we, we don't know if there's no, there's no data behind there's, it's hard to get like hard and fast, like numbers behind that. So, you know, sometimes when we're taking a pitcher out, um, you know, I might not say it too, but it's just time for him to go, be done with the game. He's, he's tired. We're not going to tell everybody that he was tired, but he's, it's, he's done. Um, and it's also about him. He has to pitch in four more days and be good the next four days. And he also has to make 20 more starts for the season. And making sure that he can do that is, is more important than the next inning right? Like it is like, we have to trust the reliever will get those three outs and, and that we've kept this guy healthy for the next 20 starts is going to lead to more Cubs wins. Again, I, I thought that he was a hundred percent honest on that. That was a brutally honest, yeah, very answer. honest, very honest, you know, you know? I mean, that, and again, this is another reason why you as an organization decide to pay somebody the kind of money that they're paying him because they believe that he's got a pulse. He's got his finger on the button and he knows exactly when to, you know, hold them and when to fold them, if you will. Right. And, and sometimes, you know what, you have to do your job as a reliever. Yeah. Maybe one guy was cruising. Maybe you could have gotten another inning out of the starter, but you, Craig is playing the long game. We need these guys to pitch. I mean, you saw what happened when Stroman was down in the first, after the first half. I mean, if all of a sudden a guy goes one more inning than he should and he get kind of gets injured or he gets beat around the next start, you got to be able to turn it over to your bullpen. And, and, and those guys, those guys have to do their job. They have to get those three outs that they're supposed to get or however many. And, and if, if they don't, then that's on the bullpen. And, and you can't sit there and say, well, you should have kept them in one more inning. Eh. Again, he has to try to get them healthy through a season. You want to know uh, what, what makes a team win is having health a lot of times. It really is who can stay healthiest the longest. Yep. Big now, part clearly, of it. You, Big part of it. Yep. You got to have talent, but at the same time, yeah. if that talent gets healthy, injured, healthy talent, <laughs> healthy talent. And then this is Craig on the bullpen. I think bullpens in spring training. It's interesting. Like I will tell you that, like I don't know what by the end of spring training we'll have probably eight to nine players in our bullpen, like. To, to tell you that I will have figured out their roles for the season, I will not. Like, and I will, whatever I tell the media, like the last week of spring training about their roles, I'll probably be wrong. <laughs> you know, I won't get it right. Be and that's kind of the nature of bullpens is that, you know, what I'm really hopeful of and excited about, about this group of players that'll be in the bullpen mix is that we've got a lot, we've got a good number of players and some of them will take big – I am confident that there will be some players that take steps forward this year. So as the players – it's most important for us to recognize as these players take steps forward and as they're having a healthy, good season, 
that we get them into like, you know, bigger roles or more leverage situations. And that's kind of how bullpens, bullpens are really like a changing thing during a season. Yeah, it's recognizing fluid. It, recognizing it's important. Do you communicate roles to players, whether it's in the bullpen, starters, position players? How compelled do you feel the need to over-explain what's going to happen, what your thought process is? Does it depend on the player? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll communicate with the player. Like, I don't, on specifics, on roles, it's like, uh, you know, you never want to say something and then change your mind two days later, right? So it's it's... How you do that is important, but there, there's certainly, you know, we'll get to a point where the player knows that, um, you know, this is, if, if we're winning, if we're losing, he's probably not going to pitch. If, if he's winning, he's, he's got a chance to pitch that day. So I know, Dustin, you always say get the three outs whenever, but, you know, bullet, bullpens are volatile, and I think he understands that. And so I think in general, you know, very curious to see, he's had a lot of success in Milwaukee with bullpens, so... Hopefully that translates here. I did add one final clip for you, Dustin, because I know on the Mully and Haw show, you guys have Tommy Hadovy as a guest, and I thought this was absolutely great when Craig Council was talking about Tommy Hadovy. Well, it's, you know, I think from our first conversation, I've been really excited. I've always been an admirer of Tommy from across the, across the way, for sure. He's just, he just, there's a, and and I, that is have I've not spoken a word with him really um, bef- before you know a couple months ago. But he just there's a presence about Tommy. Just this is going to sound weird, but just walking onto the field and and just staring at him in the dugout. You know what's funny about <laughs> coaches is that I've learned like they the Cubs coaches we spend a lot of time just kind of looking at each other when you're a coach like across the dugout. And we, it's like very nonverbal, and you're trying to figure out what everybody's doing, and and um, so like I felt like I was the I had the Cubs coaches, they were all like analyzing me, like my movements in the dugout, and 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 I do that with Tommy, but I do that with Tommy too, looking at Tommy and like what is he thinking, and you always do that. That's part of it. <laughs> so a lot of respect, and I, I'm really looking forward to those two and what they can cook up. Yeah. I think it's going to be a good, uh, a good partnership, no doubt. 